it's so important that we can understand what it is to open our lives to each other and to build relationally. Now, here you are, a new church. Many of you have left the relationships you've had at, at, at Kirkland. Now, some of those are going to be continuing. But it's so important you can build and develop new, fresh, deep relationships with the people here. The church is not built on programs, causes, issues. It's built on relationships. It's so important that we understand that the book of Acts is filled with we, they, us, and them. Plural pronouns. It's so important. I'd like you to see that culturally, with urbanization, affluency, and mobility, the whole new wave of self-centered living has become our lifestyle nowadays. Turn with me to Acts chapter 2, please. Acts chapter 2. What's the right time? Somebody know? What is that? Okay. Very good. Well, I can go to 225. (laughs) Acts uh, chapter 2. Here it is. Acts chapter 2. And verse 42. Acts 242. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. I want to lift out that word fellowship. That's from a Greek word, koinonia. This is the very first time this word is used in the New Testament. With the coming of the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit working in the church, the Holy Spirit was developing koinonia. The word koinonia means fellowship, communion, sharing, connecting. It's a very difficult word to translate. It means something deep in your heart towards another brother or sister. So the Lord is producing by the Holy Spirit koinonia. And this is what he did in the early church. If there ever was a relational man, that was the Apostle Paul. Somewhere around a hundred people are mentioned by name in the book of Acts or in the epistles. Romans 16, turn there with me please. Romans 16. Notice, if you will, in Romans 16, we have 26 names that are mentioned in this chapter. Paul mentions people by name. I commend to you our sister Phoebe, that you receive her in the Lord in a manner worthy of the saints. Then he goes on, Prisca and Aquila, and he names all kinds of people here. Uh, and talks about them, and it gives a little thumbnail word 
on each one almost. But I'm trying to bring out to you relationships were important. The early church was built on relationships. The early church knew what it was to ask for forgiveness of one another. The early church knew what it was to follow Matthew 18. The early church knew what it was to have solutions to conflict. It's so important, this whole matter of relationships. I want to ask you, are you going to be building and having people into your home to build relationships? Whether you're a single or a couple, it's so important you can open your home to people. Invite them in. It's so important that you can do that. Um, I'll never forget reading, I read most everything by Watchman Nee. And I, I remember reading in one of his books, and he tells a story of being in a gospel hall. They were brethren in background, so they didn't call it churches. They, they didn't call things churches. They called them gospel halls. So he said he was in the front of this gospel hall with an elder, and a woman came in. And the elder said to him, Brother Nee, that's a very spiritual woman. He said, before he knew it, out of his mouth came these words, spiritual with whom? Do you get it? You demonstrate spirituality with people. You demonstrate spirituality in your home with your family. You demonstrate spirituality with your house group, with your small group. You're demonstrating spirituality by those you associate with. Spiritual with whom? Say that with me. Spiritual with whom? Are you building relationally? Are you building so that you and brothers and sisters are going to enrich each other and Develop covenant relationships that are going to be significant for the future. I'm glad for the relationships I have. I mentioned Barney Coombs and Dennis Peacock. Those brothers we've walked with for many, 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 many years. I'm glad for some of you we've walked together. I thank God for, for Dennis Trout. Came here on a Sunday morning uh, about 1965, something like that. And, and then after a week or two, he brought his girlfriend, Linda. And, uh, and we had had the joy of walking with Dennis. And we had the joy of being part of their marriage ceremony and and it's just been such a wonderful life we've had with them, Eric, and your mom and dad. And, and building relationally, knowing how to forgive and love people and open your life to people. That's what the Christian life is about. Being, being uh, built together uh, as a team. And that is, that is so wonderful.
Now, the last well of provision and life is the well of discipleship. Discipleship. There was a missionary here in Seattle from the Philadelphia Church in Ballard. Um, he, uh, he was in East Africa as a missionary for over 50 years. He wrote me and said, Jim, my health is not good. I'm 80 years old. I feel I have to leave the mission field. Do you have anybody to send to take my place and pastor and, and oversee a series of church fellowships? I read that letter. I said, oh God. Oh God. Here's a Here's a dear man pouring out his life 50 years, but he never built a, a son. He never poured himself into someone else uh, being prepared to take his place. He's writing somebody in America, a complete stranger, basically. Can you send somebody? The most important thing is we can raise up godly sons and daughters. I don't mean physically, literally, gene-wise, but spiritually, sons and daughters. That's so important that that can be uh, our experience. And, and so I, I had to write him back. And I tried to write a, a gentle letter that God would supply someone for him, but didn't feel that was our job at all. Um, in, in Kenya, where we're ministering, we've tried to, to bring discipleship, and we're raising up some terrific young men. I, I think of the young men that God has given me the privilege of discipling, like Norm Willis and Mike Hanford and Dennis Trout and, and others. And then they've discipled others. And they've discipled uh, uh, McCune and, and uh, so many others. Uh, it's, it's just wonderful to see. Second Timothy 2.2. 2. Have you... Have you really laid hold of that verse? Has it gripped you? Second Timothy two two. Let's. I, I want to read it. I know. I don't want to even quote it because it's so important. A verse. It says the things which you have heard from me. This is Paul writing Timothy in the presence of many witnesses. Entrust these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Notice Paul saying, there's a group that we, we've come together, but I want, I want you to share those things with other brothers, and those other brothers, I want them to share it with other brothers. It's a whole stream of men sharing with other men, women sharing with other women. So, so very, very important. 
Discipleship to me has never been a program. It's my DNA. It's been a hands-on ministry. It's the whole matter of of, uh, honoring and blessing the Lord by enriching other lives one-on-one. The name discipleship is just that. It's a personal relationship aimed at bringing brothers and sisters to maturity so Father can be honored and pleased. This was Christ's way of building men, raising up leaders, sharing his heart, transferring life, Discipleship is a training process. Discipleship enables men to be what God wants them to be and to do what God wants them to do. Discipleship is simply the words of Jesus. His parting words was, go and disciple. Go and disciple. I want to ask you a question this morning as we, we're talking about discovering and, and redigging wells. The well of discipleship has been forgotten, but is being discovered by the church. And now many, many denominations are talking about discipleship. And we can't, we who are into disciples can't forget about discipleship. Can I say a word to you? Who are you discipling? What are their names? Can you give me the names of the men or women you're discipling? Can you give me the names of two or three brothers or two or three sisters you're spending time with on a regular basis every couple of weeks or every week or so? You're discipling them. You're working with them. That ought to be happening amongst us. Oh, man, God, help me. There should be amens out there. Or, oh, my. Or, oh, me. I want to ask you another question. Who's discipling you? Now, I'm not trying to put anybody under condemnation this morning. No, no. I'm trying to help us to be practical and real and get into this. We're talking about uh, redigging the wells. The whole navigator movement was built on discipleship and still is being built on discipleship. I want to say, don't give up on discipleship. Don't give up on relationships. Build relationally. Develop brothers and sisters. Invite them to your home. If you haven't got any money, have a glass of water together. They used to call it a pine float, a toothpick and some water. And so I, I would say, uh, let's, let's get into this now. We're redigging. We're redigging wells. Amen? Yeah. That's what we want to do. Our spiritual forefathers built wells. Well, yeah. I'd like to invite, as we conclude, uh, Pastor Eric and Lisa Trout to come up here. And Andrew... Kim White, come up here. 
And Linda Trout isn't here, but Glenn and Ruth Rogers and, and uh, Dean and Sue Hale to come up here, if they would. And I want you to go and, you guys, and go and grab a, a shovel over there. Yeah, bring them, bring them out and stand in front here. These are key people at Christ Church North Shore. What do they have in their hands? A shovel to do what? To redig the wells. We're going to redig wells here. That's what we're going to do. Amen. We got the pastor leading his the way with his lovely wife, and and you you are so privileged to have this man as your pastor. He's a man of God. Well, those shovels look like they've been used before, and that's what we want to do. We want to redig wells. What are the wells? You got them? Faith and expectation. The second one is the well of the cross. Really embracing the cross. God brings affliction. God brings loss. God brings problems. God brings trial into our life. Don't run from him. Embrace it. Let it do its work in you. And produce the life of Christ. That's what we want. I'll tell you what. I'm still embracing the cross, <laughs> and God still is working in Jim Hammond. He hasn't arrived anywhere. There's a lot of the old yet in me that's got to be dealt with. Yes. Just ask my wife, and she'll tell you. <laughs> but God's at work in a gracious way. So we've we got a couple more. I forgot to go on. What's that? Relationships and discipleship, yes. Okay. Well, praise God. It's been a joy for me to be here. I've had to kind of work my way through, as you can understand this morning. But, uh, oh, Jesus. Thanks, Pastor Eric, for inviting me. And you, you, you heard what is the cry of my heart. This whole matter of the cross. The matter of faith and expectation. What's going to be your language with each other? Are you going to be talking up faith and expectation? What God's going to do in your midst? That's it. That's what we want to do. Yeah.
Lee Ray, that's what we want to do here. Amen. Praise God. Well, it's time to go to lunch, I guess. <laughs> How many can actually say, I want to be a well digger. I want to, I want to dig wells. I, I want to see the life of Christ and all of these things that speak of his ways operative, operative in my life. Well, Pastor, I'm going to let you conclude in prayer here this morning. And uh, God bless you. It's been a, a joy being here with you. Uh, yeah, that's all I can say. You know, as, as we, he first started reading there in Genesis 26, you know, I was thought about how the Philistines filled in those wells. And of course... You, in that type, in that area, that region of the world, that was your lifeline. That was everything that you had. You, you moved according to where the water sources were, where the life sources were. So that was an act of warfare for them to fill in those wells so that they could no longer tap into those. It wasn't just that it was their, you know, their, his father's wells. But these are the lifelines that we have and these things that he shared with us they, you know, we're, I, I can imagine looking out here, there are so many different variations or levels of where you're at in relationship to the truth that's been shared this morning. For some, um, the wells maybe haven't been uh, filled in from some enemy or opponent, but from a matter of neglect. It's just... Over time, those things have fallen in. It's like, ah, you know what I mean? We've talked about familiarity coming in. Familiarity in regards to relationships and, and discipleship and all those, all those things that God brings about. The cross. That's a lost art form these days in many ways. Wells that we must redig, And it has to start in our own personal lives. Taking these four things... And really allowing God to go deep in our hearts. And Holy Spirit, we're coming to You again to say, take Your truth and dig. Dig out our ears. Dig out our spiritual ears. Help us to really hear to the depth that is necessary for Your church to truly be your church, an accurate representation of you in our earth today. Without you, we cannot do this. We need the reality and the truth because you're the one that brings conviction where conviction needs to come. Lord, do that in each one of us. Let us see if we have shallow wells that must be dug again. And we know that is difficult. It is not easy to re-dig those wells. It just wasn't a thing of, oh, no big deal. But Holy Spirit, do that work in us. And Lord, we know that those wells, they can't be dug alone. They have to be dug together. That it required a joint effort and a team to come and dig those wells again to get to that clear, crisp water of life. That is your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Well,
as his last act, at least this morning, for years and years and years, I, I don't know that we did it every Sunday, but I think that we did it most Sundays. Pastor Hamill would come up at the end of the service and he would lead us in the singing of the doxology. So David, if you'd crank up his microphone again, and Grandpa, if you'd lead us in the doxology. And I, I really, here's the thing, not nostalgia, that's not how I want to sing this. But I want to sing this. I want this to be the first act of redigging this well. And we're going to continue to do this at the end of our services. I don't know if we'll do it every time, but we'll do it a lot. And uh, praise God. Amen. Amen. Would you lead us, Grandpa? I'd be happy to. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him here below. Praise Him above, ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> oh, bless you. Bless you. Praise God. Wonderful. Those of you who are wanting to be baptized at family camp, I'd love to be able to talk with you just for a moment up here. For the rest of you, 